Good morning. <clears throat> Today we're going to continue our series on Christian character, and I'm going to address obedience and what the Bible says about obedience for us as Christians. But first, I, I want you to imagine, if you will, you work for a company whose owner decides to leave and go out of the country for a while. So before he leaves, he pulls you and a few other trusted employees into his office and he says, hey, look, something's come up and I'm going to have to go away for a little bit, but I'm trusting you and I'm asking you if you would please look after the business and take care of things while I'm away. He says, I'm going to write to you regularly and give you instructions on what you should do until the moment I come back. So you all agree. And he leaves and he stays gone for two years. And when he comes back, he starts to walk up to his office. And he notices that the shrubbery and, and the flower beds and, are overgrown with weeds. And he sees windows that are broken along the front of the building. And he walks in hesitantly. And he sees the receptionist. She's dozing off at the counter. And he hears loud music in the offices in the background. And actually looks over and sees three guys horse playing in the back. And he's, he's just blown away. He just doesn't know what happened. Because he wrote regularly and he gave explicit instructions on what they should be doing to uphold the integrity of the business. So he goes back to you and he says, hey, you and the entrusted employees, come with me. Come to my office. We need to talk. And you go in the office and he frankly just says, what happened? Did you not get my letters? And you look at him and you say, oh, yeah, we got your letters. They were great letters. You know, we even put them in a book and we bound them all together and some of us even memorized them. And every Sunday we have letter study, actually. <laughs> he goes, well, what about my instructions? Didn't you pay attention to my instructions? And you look at him and you say, well, we read them all. We memorized them. But no, we didn't. We didn't pay attention to the instructions. You know, but this may sound silly, but if you think about it, this is the way many Christians follow Jesus. You may hear the truth about Jesus Christ, but you don't do anything about it. And unfortunately, American culture has developed this passive form of Christianity that is completely and utterly unbiblical because you are meant to make active attempts to be a disciple of Christ. And when we look at obedience, this is honestly one of those character that we all seem to struggle with. You see, because at times we think of obedience as it pertains to children or dogs or animals. But what we seem to forget is this flawed mindset of that because we don't take into effect and remember that we're not in control. It's not up to us. See, obedience is surrendering yourself to God Almighty and to live as a disciple of Jesus. And the issue with obedience that we deal with every day is evident because we choose to obey traffic laws and we choose to 
obey the speed limit and we choose to obey the rules and guidelines that our employer set for us and perhaps we choose to obey our conscience but do you choose to obey the divine direction that God has set forth for us you see that each time that you do obey and you are obedient you build more of a foundation in your life, but each time that you disobey, you tear apart a little bit of that foundation. So in turn, every day, you're either building yourself up or you're breaking yourself down. And 1 John, in the book of 1 John, he talks about the struggles of obedience as a disciple. I'm going to read chapter 3, verses 21 through 24. It says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, as he gave us commandment. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. And by this we know that we, he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. See, it is clear that the blessing of God flows through those who obey him. As John says, and the truth is, is that disobedience is one of those things that we least like to talk about because we all feel guilty of it. Because at some point, we all know that we have been disobedient. Because in the back of our minds, as we continue to study and grow in our faith in Christianity, we know that those who believe in the scriptures will be bound, by, and will be bound to observe its teachings, and those who do not are bound by its consequences. But obedience is part of knowing Christ. And the secret of good, true obedience is a personal relationship with God. See, all your attempts at full obedience will be failures unless you get access to his abiding fellowship. And it's God's presence consciously abiding with you that helps you to not disobey. And in order to do this, you have to consciously make God a habit. You have to put God in every thought. You have to put God in every action. You have to put God in every word and in every conversation. Obedience is, obedience is a completion of your relationship with Jesus Christ. When you obey Christ, he comes and dwells within you. And every time that you choose to be obedient and obey the word of God, Jesus wants to come and, and rest inside of you and, and build, build you up. And the more you do it, the greater place that he has in you. But when you dis disobey, it leaves less and less of a place for him to dwell. And in order to do this, you have to have the mindset that you're going to live in Jesus. And a personal example of this that I've had is years ago, I had a husband and wife couple that worked for me. And they suffered through a house fire. And they, the house didn't necessarily burn all the way to the ground, but they lost everything. And they had three small children. And I remember specifically the heartache 
and despair that they were in right after. But what was most encouraging is I remember they never let that deter them from demonstrating their obedience and their faith. They never used that as an opportunity to ask why, but they used it as an opportunity to build themselves back up and to build up people around them. And shortly thereafter, because of outwardly support and insurance, they ended up with a much better home than they originally started with. You see, when Christ is in your life, it's like building a new home. So your old life should be gutted by the sin that has been committed, and you should create a new dwelling for Christ to come in and abide. You wouldn't build a new home and then not move into it, right? You see, when Jesus comes into your life, and when you accept Jesus Christ... He comes in to fill you. He comes in to build you up. He comes in to keep you safe. But you have to obey. Because the goal is you want Jesus to live in you. You know, the most amazing thing about all of this is the fact that God himself wants to live within you as well. See, Jesus comes and makes a place of residence you live in your life but why would he do that? Why would he do that? You see, God once had a dynamic, personal relationship with humanity, and he walked side by side with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And it wasn't until Adam and Eve sinned that that relationship was severed. You see, the fact that Jesus can come and live in you gives you that direct line to restore that divine relationship that God so desperately wants to have with you. That's your direct link. But if that wasn't enough, God sends the Holy Spirit to come live within you as well. So the reality is, is that you're given a double portion of the presence of God to fill your lives just so that you can be closer to him. That's how badly he wants you to be an obedient Christian. He's throwing everything he has at you. And it's important to realize that obedience gives you victory. You see, over and over again, John writes in his First letter, the issues of obedience and the vital role of the life of a disciple. But it's important to know as you read the scripture there that that obedience brings you a share of eternal victory of Jesus Christ. And in 1 John chapter 5, verses 1-4, through 4, I'll read, Whoever believes that Jesus is a Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. You see when you make the commitment to Christ you win. That's what John's telling you. 
You win the blessings of God. You win the power of the resurrection. And you win the presence of the Holy Spirit. How much better does that get? But James tells us that obedience is more than just knowing. And if we look in the book of James, in chapter 1, verses 22 through 26, James says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this is one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not brittle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. You see, James is revealing a pattern of life change here. He is basically saying you can literally change the lives of people if you would just follow his instructions. And the pattern is extremely simple in concept, but much, much harder in practice. And there are, there are three steps that he is referring to in this passage of life change. And the first step is listen. Be ready and willing to obey the word of God. That is the first and foremost step of this obedient following. The second is you have to be willing to learn. And what he means by that is you have to learn, and it takes personal obedience to put yourself into that mindset. You have to turn hearing into habits. It takes 21 days to form a habit. And if you change the little habits in your life, eventually it's going to create a, a larger change. And third, you have to live. You have to change the way you live your life. This is a complete lifestyle change. This happens when you change enough in, a, in an abundant amount of those, those habits, those bad habits that you have in your life, and it creates a much bigger effect on the, on the way you live your life. And it almost happens subtly, but in small steps. And all of this starts with your willingness and your open heart to listen to the divine word of God. And James said that you need to be quick to listen to the word, but he literally means that you should be constantly ready to do when God's word speaks to you. You can't have the intent to obey and the practice to read and not have the willingness to do. See, God does not call us to be success successful. He calls us to be doers. And obedience is completed through your actions. You cannot settle for just hearing God's word and having the willingness to obey once again, but anything that falls short of actual obedience is not being a doer of the word. And that's the message James is, trying, James is trying to get across here. You might find it interesting that James continuously talks about hearing the word, not in contradiction of what I'm telling you, 
But why was there such a strong focus? And it's important for you to remember that in the early Christian stage, it was hard to possess the letters of the New Testament, and oftentimes it was illegal. So the churches would basically have a copy of the letters, and everyone would get together, and they would be read to them. And the goal was to listen and learn the word of God, and then put and apply into your lives. Because only hearing the word leads you to deception. See, the problem is you cannot hear the word and know the word and then choose to live however you please. That's not how it works. See, just listening to the word and reading the word does not make you acceptable to God. This makes it too easy to slip into sin. And we all know that the acceptance of God flows through the fact that we can repent through Jesus Christ and we're saved through the grace that is given by him. I want to read Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 25. It says, But now the righteousness, righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ, whom God set forth as a propetition by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. You see, only hearing the word leads you to forgetting. It's important to know that you shouldn't forget what God has given to us. It's important to know that everyone in this room is a sinner, but we've been given a line, a lifeline. And when you put learning into practice, it will soon, unless you put learning into practice, it will soon be forgotten. See, the word then never becomes part of your life. And James used a powerful illustration, if I remind you, about looking into a mirror and not doing what you see that needs to be done. You see, your bedhead will never get fixed. Your makeup will never get put on. Clothes will never get straightened. And the point of this is hearing and doing the word leads to blessings. More than we even know. And when we hear the word and we do the word, it leads to freedom that is set free by the grace of the gospel provided to us by God Almighty. And it starts with you surrendering yourself to the obedience of, of the word of God. Now as we look at the scripture Dylan read for us earlier in 1 Peter chapter, 13, chapter 1 verses 13 through 21, it's important to note that Peter's addressing two different areas of obedience here. The first in verses 13 through 16 is the command of obedience through hope and relationship. And I'm going to reread 
this scripture here. Therefore, gird up your loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you his holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. You see, Peter's reference to God's commandment, Be holy, because I'm, I am holy, is a, he cites Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, for where God tells us, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And Peter encourages you not to conform to the worldly desires that you had when you lived in ignorance, but make it clear of the relationship you have with God through Christ. And you should be enlightened and made aware of the obligation to live that holy life. You see, Christians are without excuse when they choose to live a pagan lifestyle over a Christian lifestyle filled with Christ. See, but Peter also makes note that he knows and understands the personal conflict that comes between obedience to God and social acceptance and how it will challenge the immature believers. Therefore, he encourages you to rest your full hope on the grace of God in Jesus Christ. And Peter is saying here that your hope emerges from the relationship you have as children of God, more specifically obedient children. And this relationship enables and commands your obedience. Thus Peter does argue here that the command of obedience springs from both hope and relationship. But then he goes on to say in verses 17 through 21, when he's talking about the cost of obedience, which is through Christ's blood, we were redeemed. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 through 21, says, And if you call on the Father, who without partially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope in God are in God. You see, what he's saying is if on one hand, Christians are to be children of God. You have been rightly reminded to be obedient children and realize that true children of the holy God will also need to be holy. But now Peter is also saying, on the other hand, you need to remember the character of God and allow yourself not to be too familiar and use it as an excuse for evil. For example, you can't have the mindset that I can live as I wish because I have a great relationship with God. And more importantly, Peter reminds us here that the cost of your redemption was Jesus Christ who gave his complete life sacrificially, making it possible for your justification, which is to be declared holy, and your sanctification, which is to be set apart and made holy. And God who gave his son to die, resurrected and glorified him. Therefore, you can rightly 
Place your hope and faith in God. And the cost of obedience demands that you choose obedience of choose obedience to God over the acceptance by society. There is nothing that you can sacrifice that matches the risen Christ. And quite simply put, brothers and sisters, you were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ and your life's purpose is to glorify him through your holy obedience. In closing today, I just want to remind you that obedience is action. Obedience is doing. What he says, when he says, how he says, and all he says. Anything less than that is not obedience, but disobedience. Now let me ask you a couple of questions. Knowing, that, knowing this, are you living an obedient lifestyle? Are you living a lifestyle of discipleship? I read something this week that says, you call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk me not. You call me life and live me not. And you call me wise and follow me not. And you call me fair and love me not. Is that how God looks at you? If you remember the story I opened up with, on that day of judgment, is God going to see weeds and brokenness and horseplay? Or is God going to see a glorified, obedient Christian? The truth is, is we're still breathing. There's still chance. If you need help, please come forward as we stand and sing our song of invitation.